new wave music was happening, punk music was happening, you know, American rock and roll was happening, traditional music was happening. And we kind of bonded with all of that music. And um, I remember one day going up visiting Liam and I brought everything I had. I had a banjo, I had a bazooka, I had a mandolin, I had a guitar. I had, um, what else did I have? Welcome to the Social Fabric Podcast with me, Andrea Splendori. And this week, my guest is Peter O'Toole. Peter is a musician and founding member of the Hot Ass Flowers. He has recently released his solo album, Living White Cedar. The songs in this podcast have been shortened for rights reason. You can find the full collection on Social Fabric playlist on Spotify. Please download, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive and is really appreciated. The show is also broadcast weekly on Near FM 90.3. The title tune is Alice by Lucky Bones. Can I call you up, oh Alice, on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Just sit and talk a while. With the camera, it's so long uh, now since I've seen as well. I wasn't able to do it. Okay. The, the camera wouldn't work for some reason, it was incompatible. Right, okay, look, so be it. Yeah, um, well, I can see you loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Listen, thanks a million for, for doing this, Peter. As, as you know, I spoke to Fiekna and I spoke to Liam. Uh, Fiekna is a neighbor of mine here. He, he very kindly uh, wrote a piece of music for me for one of the live podcasts I did. Uh, I oh, bring this uh, podcast on, on stage. Uh, we did it here in, in the uh, Greystone Theater, with the Whale Theater, where you played a few times. Yeah. Uh, so that obviously at the moment is all stopped, but they just asked me to to do a few more shows and we're going to be half a capacity and so on and so forth but uh yeah no Fikna was great he just uh the very first one i did was about uh sea swimming it was all about sea swimming and uh he put music to a friend of mine's video it just is fantastic i think he i think that kind of kick-started him back to re-release bougainville uh, and uh, and kind of gave him a bit of a kick into action again so that was great um, yeah so, yeah so, I think uh, I seen the piece. I, he had a piece up on uh, Facebook, I think, um, a while yeah, back. Yeah, Winter Sun, they called it. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, it's a really nice piece. Yeah. But yeah, so I just thought, and I never met you. I, I, like I saw, I saw you guys playing several times uh, over the years, and uh, but I never had the pleasure to to shake hands and say hi. So I just yeah. when I saw you the day, I thought, oh, we must have it. We must close the the loop on the hot ass flowers, but also more exactly. Important. Very important. Um, I'm fascinated with the new stuff that you've done and watched it last night. So we'll get to all of that. Um, mm-hmm. The way I know chats is really just a conversation. I use the, the music just to break the conversation, um, desert island disc style, but normally brings some nice stories out. And uh, so yeah, so I just get started, and uh, you can chat as long as you like. Okay, fantastic, great, brilliant. So I'm talking to Peter O'Toole, musician and Hot Ass Flowers member. And Peter, uh, again, thanks a million for joining me. And um, we're going to start, I think, from the beginning, because I, I never had a pleasure to, to sit down with you and have a chat. So I don't know much about you. So if you just wouldn't mind giving us a bit of bio, where you grew up, where you were born, etc. Well, I grew up in Donnybrook in Dublin. My, my parents, my dad was a bread man with Johnson Mooney and O'Brien. And um, he came from Wicklow, uh, from Tinahili and Shillelagh. So his parents were the station master and station mistress of that station. So they spent a lot of time going from station to station as, as he was, um, as his dad was, um, uh, you know, moved around. And they met, my mom and himself met in Dunleary. So she was, her, her dad was a gardener and he also was, uh, moved from he was a, a gardener on big houses like Powers Court. Um, he was the head gardener over in Powers Court for a while. So they came from um, gardening background and railway background. So the two of them seemed to have met somewhere along the way, and uh, they they hit it off. And 
bought a house in, in Donnybrook and yeah, that's where we were all born. I have a big enough family. There was eight of us living in the house and my, grand, my grandmother lived with us as well because when her husband died, um, my dad said, well, you come and live with us and you can kind of help out with the kids. So she was always around till she was 98. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, she was a big part of the family as well. So there was plenty of action in the house. Um, we were all fairly musical, but I was the only one who kind of um, um, woke up and did something about it. You know, I was really, I found music from an early age. Um, my grandparents, my grandfather and uncles played harmonica and accordion. So music was kind of in and around the, the family gatherings. And there was a lot of them. Um, my parents um, and her, my mom's sisters and brothers and uh, they used to gather a lot. So there was always family gatherings. We'd go on uh, holidays together and, you know, um, going for picnics in Paris called Waterfall was, was a kind of a weekly affair for a long time. So they were close enough, you know, but music was, was around from that very early age, from um, when I was a kid, very young kid. Yeah, I was watching the the movie. Um, we're going to talk about your movie that you made of the of the latest album. And you talk about uh, that. You talk about your uncles and and. But you also you say one thing in that movie. You're talking about the boys and the girls singing before going to sleep, which I thought was a lovely <laughs> image. And was that your brothers and sisters? You go on the way yeah, to yeah. And uh, we had. Um, it was kind of a small house. It wasn't. Could have been a, a little bit bigger for eight people, you know, but. <laughs> That was how it was, you know, so we all shared a bedroom for a long time. And then when the girls were kind of changing, um, they separated us into the boys' room and the girls' room. So, um, yeah, when we were going to bed, we used to just sing, um, you know, whatever hits were around at the time. And my, my sister kind of was the first one to start bringing records um, home, you know. So she was a, an early Beatles fan. But no, I remember, you know, we used to, as I said, I think in the movie, I said um, songs like January and um, Black is Black. I want my baby back. And uh, it was just a, just a regular thing. And it was, it was full harmony. I don't know. We all were just naturally fell into full harmony. So it was, it was quite a racket. <laughs> and we get the knock. Sleep time. Come on, sleep time. But um, I have to tell you a funny story. I shared my, the, the bedroom with my brother, you know, and when I was, I, I forget what age I was, it was around 12 and I was discovering music and, um, sorry, it was 15. I just bought that bazooki and um, it needed a case. And I also, one of my other loves is uh, carpentry. Um, so I decided to, um, to build a case in the bedroom and the case was, was, was made from... Um, from um, tongue and uh, if not tongue and group, but uh, dovetail joints. So there was there was a, a tremendous amount of cuts. Um, I don't know how many joints I had. They were all small little joints to 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 join the the pieces together of the case. But the room was full of wood cuts, and uh, <laughs> my brother had to put up with this for, for I don't know for months. You know, it went on for months. And I eventually made this coffin-shaped uh, case for my bazooki. <laughs> but the wood, the, like the room was full of wood. It was unbelievable. And uh, Brilliant. I kind of ignored anything that was said to me. It was, it was really, it wasn't fair, but there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. So let's start with your first song, uh, uh, Peter. You helped me make it through the night, Chris Christofferson. Mm. What about that song? Well, that was... My dad, um, again, from an early age, I used to go out on the van with him helping, you know, as a, as a young van boy um, during his, his bread rounds. And he, would, he was always singing, you know, he, he wasn't a professional singer, but he was always singing and whistling. And uh, one of his favorite sayings was, um, not a bad day. So it could have been the, the worst, the windiest, the sunniest, any, any type of day. He would always say, not a bad day. But we had... A couple of them, um, it, it was a big cartridge disc that was kind of a cassette in the car. And uh, one of the, he would always sing, help me make it through the night. He was a big Perry Como fan. Um, and uh, we had a, a, a CD called, or not a CD, a tape called um, Feast of Irish Folk, 
which was where I kind of got my love for Irish traditional music at that point. But he was he was always singing um, "Help Me Make It Through the Night," um, and uh, when he passed, I sang it at his funeral um, up at the coffin. I just got the guitar and sang it, and it was a, a very special moment. So uh, that's kind of for me. That's his sound. So take the ribbon from your head, shake it loose, let it fall. Laying soft against my skin Like the shadows on the wall Come and lay down by my side Till the early morning Actually, funny story, when, when I, I wanted to sing it At the Mass, the priest um, they're very strict. Well, they're, they're kind of, they eased off and then they got strict again about what you could and could not sing at mass during a funeral. So, um, you know, the, the content of the song is quite dark, you know, it's, it's kind of dark. Um, so quickly, I just sort of decided, okay, he says, well, what's it about? I says, Father, it's called, Lord, help me make it through the night. <laughs> <laughs> and when he heard that Lord bill, he said, that's it, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh, God. Brilliant. Yeah. So listen, before we get you, I get you uh, to talk about the music and the love for music, because, you know, you bought a bazooka 15, that, that alone is going to need a bit of explanation. But, <laughs> but it, where, what happened then in your teenage, where were you, college, school, anything like that? Just, uh, just give me an idea of what Peter... Yeah, you know, teenage Peter was doing at that stage. But teenage Peter was um, really a, a school dropout, basically. Um, I couldn't stand the school I was in. There was nothing, there was no inspiration for me um, at all. And uh, it was a Christian Brothers, and you probably heard all about the Christian Brothers. So um, I, I was uh, one of those unfortunates who, who um, had to view this and I was kind of, without knowing it, I was an artistic soul, you know, and I couldn't really work out what I wanted to do. But I did have loves and music was one, woodwork was the other. So maybe I was in the wrong school. But anyway, I decided to uh, to stop going at the age of 15, just before the um, the junior cert, which is like the, the, the first exam you do. And... Um, I went and I had become friends with a couple of monks in a monastery, which was next door to us, um, Raphael and Stan. Um, and I was already playing guitar at that point. So instead of going to school, I'd go and just hang out. I'd climb a tree and just wait, spend a bit of time up that tree, just pondering <laughs> what I was going to do. Um, and then I'd go into town, but there was in, in Ranala, there was a, a shop called the music shop and it was, a, um, it was run by a guy called Eamon O'Cahan and, um, it was, it, it would sell, it was a folk and traditional music shop that would sell records, but also instruments. So I'd show up every day and just sort of sit around small chatting with Eamon and playing all the instruments, just, just, um, you know, passing time and it was a great education for me because he would also, he would suggest albums that were fantastic or new albums that came in. So anyway, I went back and, and uh, I got to finish that exam um, in school. Um, and uh, then I went to work full time as a, as a van boy. Um, I was actually driving at that point at 15. So uh, they offered me a job as a, as a reserve uh, driver. And um, so it was at that point, um, I worked for a while there. Then I wanted to make fiddles, violins. So I applied for the college. It was the only place that was making violins that you could study it. It was in Limerick at that time. So I went to Limerick to, to have a look. But um, I ended up uh, meeting, I had friends there already who were, to me, I never questioned how they were living, but uh, now I realized that they were, you know, kind of travelers. They had a, a TP and a bender. Um, and to me, it was, there was no, it, it was just natural, you know. 
So I spent a bit of time with them. My father tried to get a job, get me a job in Roach's stores, which is like a kind of a big pennies. Um, but anyway, I knew that Limerick wasn't going to work out either because uh, I was more interested in just hanging out with, with the, the lads in the bender and playing music all the time. And then, um, then I started, I, I joined, I had a few bands actually at that early age. Um, and I started hitching up and down to Limerick or to not to Limerick, but to Longford. Um, and I, I befriended a lad there, uh, Parik Fitzpatrick. So we, we, they had a band, so I kind of joined that band and continued from there. You know, I was always playing then from since I was 14, 15. And, uh, you know, we had, where I grew up, there was a lot of, um, a lot of friends. We, we had fields to play. And so I was a, a football fanatic as a kid. Um, I wanted to be uh, Steve Highway from Liverpool. And um, uh, so actually I went to see Ireland playing. He was an Irish player and I ended up um, convincing myself that one of the sods of turf on the ground after the game was one of the sods that Steve Highway had kicked. <laughs> so I brought it home, a bit of a fantasist, brought it home and we kind of planted it ceremoniously in the back garden. Uh, my mother helped me with that. <laughs> I was kind of, I, I was, I was a bit of a character. Um, and uh, so anyway, music was, was always there. And I was, I fell very quickly into playing in bands and, and traveling mm -hmm. around the country, just playing. And, you know, school wasn't for me, but. Um, yeah, sure. It's not for everybody. Yeah. But that's probably the next song then is probably perfect. Uh, Rambling Irish man. Uh, Dolores Keane and the Dinan. That was around the time that I was I was really falling in love with Irish traditional music and this album Feast of Irish Folk we played non-stop in the car and um, Dolores Keane has just an incredible voice and, and De Danon are such an amazing band and um, she was one of the singers you know they had singers that came and went so Dolores was one of the singers and um, it's actually written for, it's a man's point of view, but she sings it as I am a rambling Irish man, but um, never questioned that. It was, it was just a beautiful version. Um, and it, there was a, a bazooki player in that band called Alec Finn, who played um, a kind of a Greek round back bazooki with six strings. So he had a different way of playing. And um, it was, to me, it was seductive. It really brought me in a really sort of, connected with me how he played so um, there was a couple of their early influences and Alec was one of them and that song was definitely always in my head in Ulster I was born in and man is the happy hours I spend on the banks of sweet Loch Erin for to live poor I could not endure as others of my station To Mary Kay I sailed away And left this Irish nation right Let me ask you about the bazooki because uh, again in your latest album in the movie you play a beautiful tune on it but and excuse my ignorance but bazooki is not um, an Irish traditional instrument or is it? No, it isn't. But in, in the 70s, a lad called Johnny Moynihan um, came back from traveling around Eastern Europe and he brought the bazooki back. And he was friends with um, Andy Irvine. They had a band together. And Andy kind of be became seduced by the bazooki as well and Donald Lunny. So there was three of them playing bazooki. And uh, they formed, they had a band called Planksty. And... Um, I ended up actually, Andy moved in to the, to the street where I grew up, you know, so he was a neighbor of mine. And again, I would look at Andy, like he was always coming and going with, his car was full of instruments and um, going on tours with Planksty. So I suppose as a young lad, I was looking and saying, no, oh, that looks good. You know, that really looks good. So um, yeah, I fell in love with, with the playing of Andy and Donal Lunny and um, this, this, the next song, actually, um, I chose Autumn Gold, is, is Andy and Paul's album. They, they, when Planksty ended, they continued and they made this really important album in, in traditional circles. 
and uh, with Paul Brady and Andy Irvine. So, um, yeah, I just, myself and Rayfield decided we wanted to buy um, a bazooka each. So we got a maker in Donnybrook to make these two bazookis. So uh, it's not traditionally Irish, but it's very much part of Irish music now. You know, it's, 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 um, and it, it, it actually comes, there's a lot of Spanish influence there as well. You know, up in the, the north of Spain and Galicia, and it's, it's very much part of the music there. Um, it's also Greek. It's also, um, you know, it's become part of Ireland and it's in parts of Italy too. So it, it's got around. And do you still have that bazooki, Peter? That's the one I'm playing. Yeah, that's oh, my first. It's, I got it made in 1980. I actually had, I bought a bazooki in the music shop from Eamon. Um, it was a, a round back uh, Greek bazooki. That was the first one I had, but I wanted a flat back because they, they have a different, um, they have a much richer bass sound. So um, this one here, um, I got made in 1980. And I have it modified now. I have it tuned down five tones and um, I put bass, heavy bass strings on it because, uh, because I'm a bass player as well. So I can kind of play bass shapes with uh, high melodies as well. So. Yeah, that's the bazooka. It's still going. It has cracks. It has all kinds of um, unusual sounds that no other bazooki has. And that's why I love it. Wow, that's amazing. 1980. And uh, so you were just saying about the, um, the different bands you were playing with at the time. And uh, just when, they, when I was talking to, to both Fiekna and Liam, they have a slightly different recollection of when they met each other. One was at the bus stop and one was somewhere else. I, 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 yeah, can't, yeah. I can't remember. But you yeah. were hitchhiking up and down Limerick. Uh, so where did you meet them? Well, I had a neighbor of mine, as I said, where I grew up, there was a very large group of friends. And the front room of my house, and we had eight people in the house, but my mother and father said, okay, you can all hang out in the front room if you want, you know. So at times there might have been 20 extra people in the front room listening to music. We had a, 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 an old-fashioned uh, turntable with radio, you know, big speakers in it. So our front room was a gathering spot. And there was a, a neighbour of mine, uh, Donal, who was in school with Liam. Um, he was in his class. So it was actually Donal said, Peter, if there's a lad in my class who you have to meet, um, because Liam was also, you know, he was, you know, he was just a good musical soul and a good, a good heart. And he kind of reckoned we'd, we'd kind of bounce it off, bounce off each other. And it was actually Donald who, who introduced us. And um, there was a kind of a, there was, there was a lot of bands going around that there was one band called the Buttocks. And um, they, they, they didn't, <laughs> there was never really any shows by the Buttocks, but there was graffiti all over Dublin. Um, of you know various sayings to do with the buttocks and uh, it was very very powerful um, promotional uh, material but the band never played and uh, um, I was kind of briefly in the buttocks having been asked to play in them but because we never played so I never played these in the buttocks as well so you know new wave music was happening punk music was happening you know american rock and roll was happening traditional music was happening and we kind of bonded with all of that music and um, i remember one day going up visiting Liam, and i brought everything i had i had a banjo i had a bazooki i had a mandolin i had a guitar i had um what else did i have i had uh i i, I my my arms were full of instruments and i called up to his house i had an amp as well a, a, an amp so, um, yeah, we bonded well and we started playing. And as I said, there was a very vibrant music scene around Dublin at that age. So um, officially the, the band started in 1985, although there was, there was gatherings before that. And myself and Liam um, came together to play in a, a music, an Irish music competition called Sloga, which is kind of where Hot Air Slurs started as well. So we entered as a, as a it's called Kjolberta, which means two, two people. So um, I played bazooki, he played baron. And um, it was great, you know, it was really, there was a great gathering of young people all in love with music and, you know, all looking at each other and getting in love with each other, you know. So um, that's kind of where we, where we started playing together. And then 
there was a there was a bass player with the band for a couple of months called Mikan. And Mikan was a great artist and he got a scholarship to play to go to New York to study. So he he went and Liam just said, Liam called up to me and said, Peter, do you want to play bass? So I had no bass guitar. I never played bass before, but I did have an electric guitar. So I turned the, the bass tone right up and the treble tone right down and uh, did the first gig or two, I think, with an um, electric guitar playing bass notes. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. But anyway, it was, Dublin was just so vibrant. There was so oh, much was. going on. Oh, was, God. Yeah. 1985, 86, it was fantastic. So we're going to play uh, Autumn Gold uh, by Andy Irvine and uh, Paul Brady. Um, anything else you want to say about it? It's a very important album. Why was it? Well, what album? happened, you know, Andy was always experimenting with, with Eastern. Um, he spent time in Bulgaria, Hungary and Romania. And he brought a lot of um, tunes back. And in that song, you can kind of hear the chord, the chord changes. Um, and it was, again, seductive for me. It seduced me, the song, uh, with its uh, chord changes and its lyrics. And um, I used to, basically, I used to play along with records at home, with all records. I'd play along if it was bazooki record, I'd play bazooki. I'd play along my guitar, and that's kind of how I learned. And um, so I'd play along with Autumn Gold. Could never really figure it out until later on. But, um, you know, that's, that album is a really big, important album in, um, in traditional music. Yeah, so Autumn Gold. My mood is clothed in autumn shades My summer sun begins to fade Fading away with the waning year Changing my tempo now autumn is here Okay, just uh, again before we get to to the last couple of months and you know, your latest album, but just um, tell me a bit about then that that journey that there was the, the, those few years you guys together, the hot ass flowers, it became really really big, really popular. I I was saying to to that's how I met Fiekna because I, I I was saying to him as look I was at your gig in nineteen I think we figured out it was twenty nine years ago in Rome when he had to leave because he oh was yeah. So I was at that gig in Rome, and then a couple of months later, I was at the gig in the in the Point Theatre. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's how long ago I moved to Ireland. But so at that stage, you guys were were massive. And what was the, what do you what do you remember of all that? What that what is that to you now, looking back? Well, it was a great um, it was a great time, really. Um, there was so much. Uh, like we we were enabled um, to work in a big rehearsal room, so we spent a lot of time rehearsing, and in in those rehearsals, um, songs would come. Um, so there was great freedom there. Um, the shows were amazing. Again, the sound checks were were where we would sound check for for ages. So and we were we would tape everything. We had a you know, it was all cassette tapes at that point. So we tape everything, and and when we got home, we'd listen to um, all our sound checks, and you know that's where our songs came from. But it was a, it was a great um, it was a great time. Like it was very very busy, obviously, and uh, it got very tiring. But it was you know we were doing what we wanted to do. We were we were having a great time, and we were in some amazing studios as well. And I actually have two cassettes. I'm looking at them right now from that show in Rome. And it says the 28th of the 9th, 1990. Wow. There you go. That was yeah. the 28th of the 9th. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. 28th of the 9th, 1990. Yeah. So I was there. I was there. Uh, yeah. I have them. Um, they're both there. Carl. Roma is on them. Um, I, I kind of dug out a few old cassettes recently. Um, just to listen through and see, you know, obviously there's a lot, I, we have cassettes of sound checks, so it's just listen through to see if I could put something together that nobody's heard, you know, and for our, for our own um, enjoyment as well. No, but it was a great time. Like, a, it, it kind of, it, it moved very quickly. As soon as things started moving, it moved very, very quickly. And uh, we were suddenly in 1987, we suddenly had a record company. 
but there was record companies. You, you went to any any show you went to in Dublin. There was a, there was always A and R people at it. They were uh, obsessed with finding the next U two. So they were. That was basically what they what they said. Um, so there was A and R people, and they were they, they were throwing money around at, at young bands, and you know, some of it worked and some of it didn't work. You know, uh, for us it it worked, and we we had. A good setup, you know. We had a good, a good team around us. We had a good um, crew as well. Um, we, we, you know, the record company probably didn't really get us. They, they, they got, you know, what they wanted to do, but they didn't really get where we wanted to go, you know. And we had a lot of, um, we had a lot. We, we, we were folkies, really, you know, folk musicians and traditional musicians and rock and rollers as well. So they didn't really get the, the folk end of things. But I only look back and say it was, it was amazing. It was very busy. It was very tiring, but it was absolutely amazing. How we're doing it now, it's, it's a lot more um, subdued and, you know, it's more like three gentlemen or five gentlemen on stage having a, having a good time as well. Um, it's flexible as well now, you know, it doesn't have to be the five members of the band. It could be two, it could be one, it could be three, you know, so, and, and we've all found other things to do in our lives. So that's very important. And um, that there's no, you know, there's no huge dependency on, on, on the band right now. You know, obviously it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing to do. So, um, yeah, for me, I look back and it was, it was amazing. Really enjoyed it. Yeah and, I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say, yeah, and I'm going to say for, for, for somebody that's, as I said, I've seen you in 1990 and I've seen you in, in 2020 here in Greystones. Mm. And yeah, no, it's, it, it is, it's fantastic to see the evolution of, of the band and, and the sound and it's just, it's just lovely. So it's, 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 it's great, mm. great to hear that you had yeah. the same, uh, uh, same experience with us, you know, that it's, it's still good. It just, it looks different like we all do. I, Early on, the the um, we were playing in in obviously played in the street at first. Then we were playing in um, in wine bars, in restaurants, um, and in clubs. Um, so you know the, the the week was busy already at 1985, 86, and um, it was only when we got signed that you know we were able to there was money there to to uh, help with touring. Um, and we were lucky, you know, we were very, very lucky because there was some great bands in Dublin and um, we just seemed to have some identity that, that kind of clicked. And um, like we had, Maria Doyle Kennedy was one of our first singers as well. Like she was, herself and Liam were sharing vocals in, in the very beginning. Um, so it had a lot of twists and turns. We, we had to let our early drummer go, JP Tansy, and he was a great drummer, you know. Um, but it just wasn't, it wasn't moving for, you know, we were moving in, in different ways, you know. So, yeah, all good, good times, I must say. There were, there were good times. Okay, tell me something about uh, Rory Gallagher, Pistol Slapper Blues. Yeah, well, Rory, I kind of, through, the, through my, my friends in the monastery, um, I, I think I described um, Stan Coughlin, who, who was playing his electric guitar in the, they had a snooker room in the, in the, in the um, monastery. And they also had a, a bar, believe it or not. But um, one of, the, uh, one of the, the, the musicians that was big in the monastery was Rory Gallagher. And there was actually a, a monk called Frank Gallagher who knew Rory. And the first gig I ever went to was Rory Gallagher in the stadium in Dublin with Frank Gallagher and Rayfield with two monks. And um, my hair was kind of getting a bit long. Uh, neither of the lads had long hair, but uh, we went and we, we partook. And what I loved about Rory was his, um, obviously his guitar playing, but his acoustic guitar playing was just phenomenal. And his uh, mandolin playing. And again, I was, you know, I, I, be gravitating towards the acoustic instrument and um, pistol slapper blues um, there's a lot of versions of it the one I, I, I sent to you is, is uh, just it's amazing like it's it's how I remember him doing it he did it live as well and, and I actually got to meet him then with the band we, we met in, in Australia and um, 
he was uh, he was to fly out, I think, and he never he didn't like flying, so he was very nervous. And we had a few drinks at the bar and had a good chat. Um, and yeah, so uh, Rory, what can you say about him? He's amazing. He was he was amazing and, and a great soul and um, a great Irish man. So we'll come to your uh, latest project, Peter. The, you kindly sent me the other day, and, and I watched it. And I must say, it, it really is. It's, it's a fantastic piece of art, as I would describe it. So you have this. Um, you made a movie out of it, uh, all done in, in your face, with the uh, with an android. Um, yeah. And it's ten instruments, ten tunes, one microphone, one artist. And yeah. I tell you the way I, I, I and that's the way I. I I absorbed it, right? And it, for me, it was a musical journey through, um, through not only sound, but places. And like in my head, when I was listening and watching it, uh, obviously the, the different instruments bring up different ideas, but it was really kind of, was, it, was, it was like traveling, was traveling with you through that journey of around the world. And now describe to me, like, and, and obviously, you know, I'll, I'll put the, the links on it, listen, can, can get you, um, um, band camp and, and what have you but it's yes. describe to me that Jerry, because you talk a lot of similar things what we're dis- discussing today uh, about your your family your influences and and the monks but it, it you start with the harmonica and you finish with the piano and it's a, it's a my favorite piece just so you just as a, as a feedback is the yeah. is it butterfly uh, leaf butterfly leaf yeah leaf ah i, I just love that so just tell us about how you came about the whole idea and uh, how did you write the tunes? And... The, the, the phone call came, well, we, we had a few phone calls about cancellations and about um, whether things would happen in, in March. And um, we were due to go to, to Belgrade and play the Irish Belgrade Festival. And we were also due to go to London for St. Patrick's Day. And um, obviously none of us knew what we were dealing with. And um, there was, a, there was um, I think Fakeness sent a message saying, listen, I'm, I'm kind of quite concerned about going to London. Um, obviously, he has young children and he didn't want to put their um, health in, in any danger, you know. So he said, I won't go, you know. And then we got a call from Belgrade saying, we can't do it, you know. And they were devastated as well. So anyway, it looked like, gigs weren't going to happen and um, I had a window there um, of time. Um, so we decided that April, March, April, May were just stunning months down here in Tipperary. The, the weather was just beautiful. Like it really, it was, everything stopped and the sky opened and there was no planes flying overhead and there was no trucks going by and it was just silent. And, you know, we have a kind of a, a country walk we go on every day. Um, so I decided that I wanted to just record the, the birds because they were, they were, you know, it was incredibly loud and uh, it was fascinating, you know, and it was kind of light and joyful as well. Um, so on the walk, I, I, I started writing down titles, you know, things that I would see. There's two horses in, in a field and they're still there. There was cows and crows who live together. You know, the crows are on top of the cows while they're chewing the cud. Uh, the red tin roof is a, a little old rundown barn, you know. Um, butterfly leaf was just a leaf that I seen on the ground and it, it was identical to a butterfly. And um, so these were all little things that I saw and observed and I just wrote them down so the titles came first actually and um so one by one i just started picking up the instruments and just kind of finding a theme and that's kind of what happened i just had a theme with each of them 
and what you're hearing mostly on the 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 on the the piece are improvisations on themes so i would have maybe a short melody and then i would let it kind of just open up while i was playing so um the tipperary cockerel is the banjo tune that that um that just came out of nowhere i don't know where that came from the whistle tune came out of nowhere and the harmonica i just started you know i just started playing so they came from inside of me after being on the walk and after seeing and listening to nature um and that's how tunes come sometimes you know they just come and and these these 10 tunes actually there was a lot more i have another project that's kind of in the in the future sometime but um that's how they came so they started off with a small short theme and i would just play on that theme and let my imagination go and and just close my eyes as i said i just close my eyes and just play and that's kind of what happened so the theme was kind of the the beginning of each of the tunes um the the zong ruan um i i was lent that by an amazing photographer called tara keen and she had this sitting around as a Chinese guitar, more or less. And she said, Peter, you will get something out of this. I'm not achieving anything on, on it. She was traveling in China for a while. So that, um, again, just started off with a short, um, a short theme, I suppose, a short uh, piece. And it developed into what you see on the, on the record. Um, the songs um, I have, Far Off Beautiful World was composed during lockdown. So it was just really, there was a, a, a sense of freedom, you know, once you kind of accepted, okay, life is going to be strange for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, we're not going to be earning any money now for a little while. Uh, we're not going to be spending any money now for a little while, you know. I have two children and they're both grown up, you know, they're both adults. And so it's myself and Algema, my partner. So we just... We just said, okay, we have to accept this. And I got busy doing that. And she was happy to help me in any way that she could with it. Um, and then the idea was to record it and to make a movie out of it. And uh, I sent off to the, the Arts Council I knew were doing, um, were given grants for artistic projects. And I sent it off, like I've sent off for various things in the past and, and you know, didn't hear anything. So I just sent it off and expected nothing. And I got an email back just saying, yeah, we, we, uh, we like your proposal and we'd, um, we'd give you some money to help with it. So that was amazing. Um, and it kind of said to me, well, you're doing something right. This is definitely clicking because I knew it was clicking with me. It was healing me. It was giving me medicine. It was making me, giving me something to do with excitement, you know, every day. So, um, so that kind of how, is how it all came about. And I only had the phone and I have one, one microphone here with the computer. So I had like sonically, I could, I could sit and say, Peter, you know, you have to do something with it. But I said, it is what it is. All I have is my, my mobile phone and all I have is my one microphone. So do what you can with it and just enjoy it. And I have no expectations of it. Um, I didn't, I, I, immediately said well it can be an album so i release it as an album at some point and that all just fell into place as well um so as i said no expectations um, just open open the heart and and just play and let whatever is inside come out into the instruments and that's what happened yeah i must say and it, it really captures the moment that we all had to live through, especially those first couple of months where nobody knew what was going on and the weather was magnificent. You know that awareness, that extra awareness that we had, and yeah. the, you know COVID, bro. So it's it's a beautiful piece of artwork. It really is, um, and I recommend anybody to have a look at it. So the, the next song is uh, "Changes" by David Bowie, which is probably very apt coming into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me about changes. But change it, David Bowie, like, I mean, looking at all the songs, you know, you have different periods in your life and you might be hanging out with different groups of and music kind of goes with that. You might uh, discover new music with different groups of people. And, and David Bowie kind of came to me um, up, the, up the road from me um, 
in a, t a village called Ranala, um, there was a, a friend, um, Stephen, and Stephen had a loft outside uh, his house um, over a garage, and that's kind of where he lived. He lived separate to the family. And um, he, he also dealt with Akai. He, I don't know where he got them or how he got them, but he always, always had good Akai systems and he would sell them, you know. <laughs> and it was all legal, of course. But um, David Bowie, he, he would play David Bowie in bands like The Cars. And uh, it was just an exciting time to hear that music, you know. And, and uh, I, love, I love that album because it's full of, it's almost like an orchestra playing. It's almost like an acoustic album. It's almost like a rock and roll album. It changed, like the, the, the album has a lot of different um, identities. Um, and and um, like a song like Quicksand has, you know, it's, it's sort of really spooky at the beginning with acoustic guitar. And then you've got this huge big string section comes into it. And of course, as a young man, I was fascinated with production as well, sound production. And, um, so this album was really like, yes, this is amazing. And the production on this is just fantastic. And, and again, it's, there's something sort of um, spooky about that album. And it reminds me of that time um, of discovery. Um, you know, young man, young girls around music, you know, cool pad, you know, all of that sort of thing, uh, you know, I was, I think I was about 14 or 15 again when, when, um, when changes came to me. And uh, I just think Bowie, Bowie is amazing. Right up to the very end, he, he was uh, an amazing uh, musician, singer, songwriter, uh, producer. So yeah, changes. And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse How the others... I've had a, quite a few artists and musicians on this podcast um, all of you guys and Colin McNamara, Steve Wall, and, and I'm always, and I know a few of them very well, good friends, and I'm always curious about the, the business end of the, of the, the art, because you're very passionate about music. Music is not, as Liam said, it's not what you do, it's who you are. It's just music is who you are. And, you know, this latest project is just a perfect example of um, how you, you could sit down and create something beautiful, as you said, without too many expectations, but actually follow your heart and something beautiful comes out of it. And it's, it's magical, but, but there's also the, the, always the harsh reality of the, of the, of the gigs being canceled, the band splitting up, et cetera, et cetera. It's not an easy business to be in. How, mm. how do you, and I don't, need, I don't mean to prime your finance or anything. I don't, sure. I don't need to know that, but I just, how do you navigate all of that over the years? What's, what, what, what does a, a musician do instead of go and work in Tesco or whatever it may be to, to, yeah. to pay the bills? Um, it has a very funny way of just presenting finances when you need them, you know. Um, gigs seem to come in. Like, obviously, looking ahead, it's, it's hard to know what's happening. The small, there's some, some venues are having gigs and then they seem to be canceling gigs and then other bands kind of put on gigs at the moment, um, you know, slowly putting their foot back into, into doing things. Um, so looking ahead, it's very hard to know. Like we, we have things penciled in and it's, uh, you know, things have been canceled uh, even this week, uh, last week, sorry, um, there's cancellations. Um, but Music, like, I think you could say the universe has a funny way of just looking after you, you know. Um, if you just let it go, it comes, you know. It, 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 it's a funny thing. I've often sat and said, okay, there's not much happening now. And so somewhere around the corner, something seems to come in or you get a phone call or a text or something. It has a funny way. Um, 
Now, on the other hand, um, one of my, as I said, one of my other passions is, is uh, working with um, wood and building. Um, and I was blessed to be asked to be involved in a building company. So I do a bit of building as well, which uh, has enabled me to pursue another passion. But it also has enabled me to have some sort of, um, you know, backbone behind me that provides money when gigs aren't happening, you know. Um, and it's also from, for my head, it's very good. I, you know, I'm, I need physical work. And so that gives that to me, you know, I need, I need to, to, to do physical things. Um, so that, that work is very physical, you know, knocking walls and, and, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going constantly from, from the morning to the evening, your body is working. So that's great. But as I said, with music, you just have to let it go and trust that the universe is going to look after you and that it's going to send work. And inspiration is always there, thankfully. Um, I suppose it's been able to play lots of instruments. I never get bogged down in one instrument or one riff or one piece. Um, if I don't feel it's, it's, it's clicking, I just go on to something else. And I have a beautiful music room in the house here with instruments. It's full of instruments. So... For me, you know, I've, they're all tools which enable me to continually, um, you know, write and and work. Yeah, and the, and the reason I was asking, Peter, is it, I was casting my memory back to the beginning of this conversation when, you, you know, you were talking about being 14 and 15 and just wanting to have that bazooki, wanting to not to be in school. And, and today there are loads of kids out there in exactly the same situation and at the same time they're forced to i don't know whatever they get the points to go to college or whatever well they really the real passion is to write music to play music yeah. and, and and that's really that's really where that question came from just because it's it's so important to have artists and art and music around us you know and if the likes of yourself can't do it then it'd be a very dull world you know we all yeah. just working yeah. Well, what's happened is, um, I, you know, having this album out, um, the only way I could, <laughs> I could get it to people is actually online, you know, so the, the communication online has, for me, has really opened up. And what that brings is seeing what's out there, you know, and the amount of incredible, like, you know, Hot Press are doing young and, and um, exciting i think it is or young and y and e mm. there's incredible amount of of, of talent and, and and creative minds in in young people in ireland this at this moment um but there was there always was like in 1985 when we were starting all my friends were talented musicians you know they were and if they weren't musicians they were painters or they were doing you know they all had dreams of of something um and today is no different you know and the computer has become a, a, an amazing <clears throat> um, tool for people to to share music, to play music, to put on gigs. To you know, it's it, what's happened is it's just become very vibrant online. You know, and uh, what my eyes have been opened up a lot as to what's out there. There's incredible new, exciting, um, you know, dance music. There's a whole load of folk music and, and a traditional indie music on, you know, it's, it's just phenomenal amount, a huge amount of people playing. And um, everyone's just kind of hoping that gigs will start again soon, you know, and, and get, get playing to an audience. Because there is nothing like playing to, to people. There really isn't. I did a, pod, I did a, a gig last week for the Axis in Ballymun, an amazing theatre in Ballymun. And uh, I really enjoyed it, but you, you know, there's no, you know, that incredible thing that happens when two people come together. You know, you you love conversations, um, and when you're actually sitting with someone having a conversation, what there's an energy that happens, even if it's three people in the room or two, there's an energy that happens. And it could be 500, 5,000 people. There's still an energy. And, and when that energy is not there, it's different. But um, it's new. It's, it's, it's still good. But it's, it, that energy you can't replace. Oh. Tell me about the Atrix. This, is, this song I didn't know. Uh, Treasure in the Wasteland. 
Yeah, they were a big, a big band in the in the early eighties um, in Dublin, um, and uh, around the time again when I was um, learning music, they were a very important band. And uh, there was bands like the Letters. There was bands, you know, there was the Epidemics. There was, you know, just incredible. I lived beside where the letters used to rehearse it was in the basement of, of a big house in Leeson Street and uh, I remember standing outside just holding the railings and just saying this is amazing this is just incredible and some friends had um, a house party and the epidemics came to play at the house party it was a tiny little living room but they set up the, they brought everything like the amps the, the, the kit but one of the main um, bands in, in Dublin at that point were the um, the Atrix is what they're they're called. Atrix, okay. And um, yeah, the Atrix, and um, great writers, great musicians, and um, just didn't didn't happen for them. Like the, the, you know, flavors change. Unfortunately, in 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 music business, obviously people love still love music, but the business changes and the business kind of pushes different uh, genres. You know, it, it changes. And a lot of bands get lost in that way because no, their their genre is no longer popular, and um, this kind of happened with with the the Atrix and and uh, but they're still a very important band, you know. They're still still quoted. I, I love them, and um, they were still you know hugely important in in, in around the, the early eighties, mid mid eighties as well. So yeah, treasure on the wasteland. Yeah. Come uh, close to to the end of this conversation, Peter. Um, just uh, I'm I'm very curious about the um, the way. I mean, you, pre- you you were saying you pretty much self-taught um, learning the, the bazooki, the guitar. You were playing guitar before, and now you pretty much play in any string instrument at this stage, and the piano and the harmonica. What? What, I mean, is this is, is it a, a lot of work that needs to go into for somebody? Like, I play guitar, and that's about all I can play. And I tried the bass a couple of times, and I can't. Is there a lot of work goes in, or is it gifted? Do you have a gift, or what do you think? I think um, what happened. I think playing with people is the great help. You know, it kind of it, it always again. It's like what I was saying about the conversation. There's an energy that happens. So. If you play with people, you'll find that your your the level of your playing comes up, you know, and um, you try that a little bit harder, in, and and you suddenly realize, hey, I'm doing it here, you know. Um, so I think that's always a great help um, if you can get and and play with people. Um, it it you know play with other musicians is what I mean. You know, you, you just it 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 brings up your your level. Um, and I was always lucky that there was good, good people around me, you know, in that way. Um, and I think if you just, if, just keep doing it, you know, um, I do a bit of teaching in swords. Um, well, I haven't done it obviously since the, the lockdown, but I teach banjo and, and mandolin mm-hmm. and, uh, the mandolin player is just loves mandolin. He just wants to learn Irish traditional tunes on the mandolin. The banjo player has no interest in playing banjo tunes. He just wants to play songs <laughs> on the banjo. And um, he's, he's, the, he's the funniest character, you know. He, he, so I say, well, we, we do a tune now. He says, no, I don't want to do any tunes. I just want to, he just wants to play the banjo um, as in chords and play it his way, you know. And that's kind of how I see all the instruments that I play. Just do it your way and Whatever level you're at, it doesn't matter. Just do it, enjoy it. And uh, if you connect with it, you connect with it. If you don't, then that's okay as well. Um, and, you know, no one says you can't play, uh, you know, violin tunes on the banjo. There's no rule to say you can't do that. So 
again, it's just, as, as I said, with these tunes, I just close my eyes and just let it happen. And, and with instruments, that's kind of what you have to do. Just close your eyes and just let it happen. And I always enjoy it. And don't overdo it either. You know, a lot of people over practice and it becomes uh, something it shouldn't be, you know. So, yeah, for me, I just love hearing new tunes, new instruments. Um, uh, I love having loads of instruments around. Just, you know, it, it's, it's, all, it's all good. You know, it's all amazing. So, yeah, and I know and from watching you guys, uh, even with just the three of you in a small theater, and, and now I know Liam said a lot of it is just kind of not quite improv, but, it, you know, somebody starts and the other two have to follow. And there's a lot of that, a lot of improvisation and, and really feeling it, which is, yeah. uh, as you yeah. say, once you're playing with, with two skillful musicians, you, you, you learn a lot and, and vice versa. That's fantastic. Is there exactly. any, instrument, uh, any instruments that you would love to learn, Peter, that you never cracked? Well, the, the woodwind was always a little, I never um, pursued it too much. Um, the trombone is something I love. I love all the, the New Orleans type trombone playing. Um, that I would like, um, the saxophone, trumpet. Uh, I did study recorder in school and there was a school band um, which was a brass band. So I was beginning to get the, um, the clarinet, which is very similar fingering and the saxophone is similar fingering to the, the clarinet and to recorder. But unfortunately, the, the, the brother was a Christian brother, the teacher. And... Um, I couldn't take to him, you know, he was, he was aggressive, you know, so it just didn't, didn't, it didn't gel. And I remember standing, I was, my ear was, um, I learned music by ear, so I'd hear a tune and be able to play it, you know, I'd just listen to it and be able to play it. And I remember standing in the orchestra um, and I knew all the tunes by ear, but I was, I was afraid that he'd actually see that I was actually not reading the notes. Um, and I said, this isn't, it's, it's not right. This isn't, this isn't a place for me. So um, maybe in, 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 the, in the near future, I'll maybe buy a, a trombone and start <laughs> annoying everyone with, with trombone, bringing it to the instruments. <laughs> we'll, we'll have the uh, brass band coming soon. <laughs> no, but I did, you know, again, I'm, I'm wide open to everything, you know, and it, it's, music is great in that way. It kind of always gives back, you know, so. Really. Yeah. Listen, just before uh, I'll ask you about the last song, I always ask everybody for what I call the words of wisdom. Anything, a quote, anything that gets you up in the morning? Um, again, going back to my dad, um, he would always say, not a bad day. And I think those words are just, you know, no matter how dull you feel, no matter how dull it is, or no matter how scared you are it's no matter how you know happy or you know there's a place in the middle of everything and i think always um with with great things that happen you know you don't over celebrate or you don't under celebrate you just keep it there in the middle and i think those words kind of hit the nail on the head it's not a bad day um so that philosophy will kind of get you through any good day or bad day for you, you just accept it's not a bad day, and um, you know, to me, they were they were uh, it's always stuck with me, so they are good words, fabulous. And uh, so, the last song you picked is uh, This Must Be the Place, Talking Heads. Yeah, again, another, another great band, um, you know, full of four different characters, um, four amazing musicians who um, managed to, to come together for a certain amount of years and make, make an amazing music. And um, this song, it, it's, it's, this must be the place, I always call it home because it is, it just reminds me of, of that place that you feel so cozy and so happy and so, you know, just it's your place. And um, that song, um, particularly from the, the, the movie Stop Making Sense, it's a beautiful um live version of it um so again like i go back to 19 i think it's 1977 when when i go back to talking heads when as a really young kid you know all the, the experimenting and there was african influences there was punk influences you know really just a great band and a, a great song so this must be the place 
Well, Peter O'Toole, thanks a million yeah. for your time. We really appreciate it and fantastic to hear the story. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been great to chat.